Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 4th of September 2022, 11 o'clock service. Tim Davis speaking on Getting the Most Out of Worship. Very good morning, everyone. Um, getting the most out of church and today, worship. I think when you're looking at a series such as um, Getting the Most Out of Church, with different topics, you kind of feel like you want to come away with a handy how-to guide on how to get the most out of worship, or how to get the most out of sermons and fellowship. Um, and so I was delighted when I Google searched how to get the most out of worship that the top result was a handy list of the top 10 ways to get the most out of worship. And then I read them, and I wondered if perhaps it was so wise to share them. But you want me to share, you want to know what they are, don't you? I can tell. Built up the expectation. Clearly, I've got to follow through. Okay, here we go. The number one um, way to get the most out of worship is this go to bed at a reasonable hour the night before. Um, Establish a Sunday morning routine, the pastor Dave was on to say, uh, who wrote this. He said, uh, wake up with enough time to create a relaxed and comfortable environment in your home. Yeah, try telling that to anyone with a one-year-old. Um, turn on worship music, read scripture, pray, and you'll like this. And fathers, if you have children, why not help mum get them ready? <laughs> Next one, pray to be a blessing. Plan to arrive at least 15 minutes early. Uh, as I said at 9.30, as most of the congregation, they're stuffed. Um, come with a sense of expectancy. Pray for those who lead, because, the pastor explains, if you like this, they are people just like you, apparently. Um, participate wholeheartedly. Uh, pastor David, who wrote this list, reminds us in the Psalms, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so, the pastor says, the only reason you should not be participating wholeheartedly is if you're out of breath or dead. Wise words. Um, take notes during the sermon. That's great. Anyway, some churches do provide you the pen and paper for taking notes. Um, and I have to say, if you ever see me frantically scribbling in my notebook, that's absolutely what I'm doing in taking notes on the sermon. I'm definitely not writing notes about my upcoming sermon and not listening at all to what's being said. No, definitely not. Um, seek to have at least one positive conversation with others. And finally, leave with a new task for the week. So by next week, I fully expect Stephen to have a jobs to-do list at the back, which we want to see completed people. Um, put these principles into practice, says the pastor, and uh, you'll have a great worship of service next Sunday. Uh, okay, perhaps I'm being slightly disingenuous in my critique of that list. Because, um, you know, actually... All of those ideas, I think, um, in context, are actually really good. We should be refreshed, refreshed and rested when we come to church, ready to worship God. We should come with a sense of expectancy that we will encounter God and God will be working in the service. Do pray for those of us who lead and absolutely make an effort to have positive conversations with other people. But I think the problem is when you get lists of a how-to, it doesn't allow for the fact that we all encounter God in different ways. We all worship in different ways. And so telling people how to worship isn't actually that helpful, I feel. Um, going back a couple of years, you know, we spent most of 2020 and 2021 
unable to worship together in church as we used to fully. For a time, we lost many of the aspects of church that we value deeply, fellowship, pastoral support. But what may have been hardest of all is that we may have felt we had lost some connection to our faith and to God. Because without the structure of church, uh, of a church service, and physically being at a service within a church building, it could perhaps be a struggle to engage in worship as we had done previously. The enforced change that came upon us to how we provided services of worship also, I think, gave us the opportunity to experience worship in different ways and even change our normal routine on a Sunday. Now, who here feels like they've been to a service of worship in their pyjamas? I did for several Sundays during lockdown. That was great. Um, but, you know, we were able to utilise technology and incorporate it into our services in ways which wouldn't necessarily work in a service held in our church building. But I'm fairly sure most, of, not all of us, prefer being back in a church building on a Sunday morning, worshipping together as we had done before our lives changed so much in 2020. And many people have spoken of how they missed the opportunity to worship together in sung praise, of being able to share with and support one another in person, to pray together, to be physically present for a sermon, as that might be how you feel you best engage with the word of it. And most of all, to feel that church is where you feel most able and open to encountering God, to listen to him, to worship him. That time out from normal worship that we had perhaps gave us the opportunity to appreciate better what we missed, what we might have just taken for granted without realising it. Now that we're back in church and almost back to normal, how should we look to get the most out of our worship? How are we to rebuild as a community of worshippers and perhaps improve on and refine what was there before. As I said, we are all unique and encounter God in different ways. And worship, of course, also takes many forms. It's not just about singing songs. It's our entire experience of offering praise and worship to God. You know, if someone leading a church service says, we're now, uh, introduces a time of singing by saying, we're now going to worship God, they're misleading the congregation. Singing isn't the definition of worship. It's the definition of sung worship. And worship is not simply a church service, because we don't stop worshipping God the moment we walk out the doors of church, do we? I think perhaps the most significant thing that I've read on the subject of worship is this. Worship is not a technique. It's an activity where we encounter God it's not about how high you lift your hands or how low you can kneel on your knees and for how long or how fervently your brow shakes during intense prayer. Worship is a response to grace and of answering a call. For some, that comes through the spoken word, in the words of scripture and in the preaching that expounds and illuminates scripture. For others, it comes in music 
where the words of a song and the accompanying tune can worm their way into our bodies and minds, or where we may feel drawn out of ourselves and participating in a moment where our bodies and our voices let out a sustained action of prayer and praise and worship. And others still may hear worship and experience worship most clearly in silence. As the worshipping self learns to hear where in amongst the noise of self-interest, doubt, distraction, temptation and despair that can fill our noise, our lives, we instead hear the call of God echoing. A great example of this is the familiar song which we sang at the start of our service, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. A song that takes the words of Scripture, Psalm 39, 37. These words that exhort the, le- the reader to stop what they're doing, stop worrying, and just wait on God. For a while in 2020 and 2021, we were able to meet again in church. But something that was missing besides our own singing was the sacramental side of worship. For obvious reasons, we couldn't share in a full Eucharist communion service. Baptisms had been put on hold or at least couldn't be held in a full church service. Many of the ways in which we as a church engage in outreach and serving the community had to stop or were drastically changed. And all of these things, however, are the activity of worship and the ways in which we encounter God and hear and respond to his call in our lives. And crucially, what I think is most important about that is that, for the most part, these are corporate activities. Many of us might envisage a picture of a lone individual stood on top of a mountain, surveying the wonder of God's creation before them and unable to contain themselves anymore, worshipping God for this glorious moment they're experiencing. And yet the call of God is more often than not encountered through other people. Getting the most out of worship is nearly always going to be enhanced by and through other people and with other people. Our own limited, at times narrow, cramped vision and idea of God can often be broken open and expanded by encounters with other people who think and see differently from us and who can help us see God anew and with fresh perspective on his grace and endless love. Now that we're back together in church, have you taken time to reflect on what you had missed? Has anything changed for you in your worship of God? Have you discovered something new about worshipping God? Perhaps you might have a renewed appreciation for liturgy and the words we say as part of our services, affirming our belief in God and praise of him. Was there anything you found helpful, maybe refreshing, in the online services that you experienced and participated in during lockdown? Or have you been inspired to want to see if there's something new we can use and do at Christchurch well, now that we've returned? I think here at Christchurch, people coming to church can always expect a warm welcome and fellowship with others. They can experience wonderful children and youth work, pastoral care, engaging teaching, But most of all, people coming to Christchurch should always expect to encounter God. 
We can worship and encounter God in every area of our lives. But it's essential to know that we make a particular effort to encounter God or at least acknowledge that it can happen when we come together as church. Whatever form our worship takes now that we are relatively back to normal, it can't be just going through the motions. We've got to be passionate and committed to reflecting on or refining and building up our activity of worship and to make church, Christ church, a place where we all encounter God and equip ourselves to keep on encountering him in our daily lives. So what does that mean for us individually in a practical sense? I think as I said at the start of this talk, how we encounter God is different for each person. There are opportunities for, every, for this in every part of a church experience. And these are just a few of the thoughts I had when I was writing this talk, because I think really this is just part of one larger conversation that we can have ongoing as a church and think about a vision of what it means to be a community of worshippers of God. So I think first of all is this. I think it's important to always be seeking God and that means to overcome the barriers that can prevent us from engaging in worshipping God. That might seem a weird thing to say, but have you ever noticed how easy it is to not bother coming to church, to encounter God when you're not feeling at your best? When times are hard and you're stressed and busy, when the worst things that can happen in our lives are happening, do you really feel like running to church, falling on your knees and lifting up your voice and praise to God? Would you actually want to shut yourself away from the world? Does it feel like actually the only reason you might go to church is because you're angry and you want to shout in anger at God? We see in the Bible people regularly sounding off to God, sharing their frustrations and their anger, but they still realise that that moment of encountering God is precious. The Psalms are a collection of works that some people describe as this. It's praise in the presence and absence, or perhaps perceived absence, of God. A favourite song of mine is the song Blessed Be Your Name by Matt and Beth Redman. And it's a song that was written in response to personal tragedy in both Matt and Beth's lives, but which speaks of a desire to say, I will praise you, God in both the good times and the bad times. In the first we reading that we had, we have this wonderful image of Paul and Silas in prison, having been arrested, beaten, and thrown into chains and kept in prison. And yet there they are. Their primary focus is on singing hymns of praise to God. There's a great illustration that Nick Drake, who's the, an associate pastor at St. Luke's Gas Street in Birmingham, uses. And that's about singing when you're losing. Um, <coughs> those of you who may go to football matches or watch on the TV may be aware of the tendency to taunt the opposition if you're a fan. Uh, when the opposition fans appear to uh, stop vocally supporting their team. You know, for example, if they concede a goal. And the chant goes kind of, sing when you're winning, you only sing when you're winning. The suggestion being that they're just part-time fans who are not really behind the team. Um, being a worshipper who desires to encounter God means being prepared to sing when we're losing as well. To actively seek to worship 
and encounter God, however we might be feeling. Because just like Paul and Silas, it's those times when we are most in need of God's presence that he changes things. That remarkable story of the conversion of the jailer's family happens out of a bad experience, yet throughout which Paul and Silas continue in their praise of God. Another great idea that I also got from Nick Drake is to remember that our church is unique and our vision of what worship, of worship at Christ Church should reflect this. It's crucial that we discipline ourselves to, not, uh, to stop looking too much at what others are doing and instead devote time and prayer to what God has placed right in front of us. One way to do this is to assess what makes Christchurch unique. What is unique about our community, our congregation, or in our case, our congregations? What is God teaching us as a community? What are the stories of God at work here and now at Christchurch? What is God building in our midst? And how do we keep sight of it? What do we want God to do here? What do we dare to imagine is possible? What do we want to be able to do with God's power at work in all of us? But in addition to all that excitement, sometimes I think there's a need to just strip everything back, to reset, to be willing to just stop. A song that we're going to be singing later on is the song When the Music Fades, The Heart of Worship by Matt Redmond. In his book, The Unquenchable Worshipper, Matt Redman writes about how the song came to be. He said, a few years back in our church, we realized some of the things we thought were helping us in our worship were actually hindering us. They were throwing us off the scent of what it means to really worship. We had always set aside lots of times in our meetings for worshiping God through music, but it began to dawn on us that we'd lost something. The fire that used to characterize our worship had somehow grown cold. In some ways, everything looked great. We had some wonderful musicians and a great quality sound system. But somehow, we'd started to rely on these things a little too much, and they'd become distractions. Where once people would enter in, no matter what, we'd now wait to see what the band were like first, how good the sound was, or how we were into the songs. Mike, the pastor, decided on a pretty drastic course of action. We'd strip everything away for a season just to see where our hearts were. So the very next Sunday when we turned up at church, there was no sound system to be seen and no band to lead us. Mike would say, when you come to the doors of the church on Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? What are you going to sacrifice today? At first, the meetings were a bit awkward, there were long periods of silence, but we soon began to learn how to bring heart offerings to God without any of the external trappings we'd grown used to. Stripping everything away, we slowly started to rediscover the heart of worship. After a while, the worship band and sound system reappeared, but now it was different. The songs of our hearts had caught up with the songs of our lips. Reflecting on this season, and where they had come as a church, Matt wrote the song, The Heart of Worship. Now, I'm not suggesting we do the same as Matt's church, but as I was thinking about this topic, I kept hearing the refrain from that song, 
I'll bring you more than a song. What does it mean to bring more than a song to God? For me, every song of worship that I sing should be more than a song. I'm someone who's deeply passionate about music, but I don't just love worship songs and hymns for the way they sound or how they make me feel when I watch a YouTube clip of them being performed at 20 amazing musicians on stage. I love them for how they let me express my praise and worship to God. And every song we sing in church should be an opportunity to express something about God and to God. Just as every different piece of liturgy we use is a different way of praising God or saying sorry or thank you to God. Our worship of God, and especially our song worship of God, should always be an opportunity to encounter God, not ourselves. True worshippers should always be outward-looking, not inward. Not distracted by what they're singing, but focused on why they're singing. It's why churches should always look for worship leaders, not as personalities, but as people who can lead worshippers. There's no point having a rocking sound system and incredible light display if God and his word and his spirit are being kept in the shadows. And finally, I think perhaps most important of all, getting the most out of worship must mean getting excited about what a privilege it is to worship God. I love the words of the final, final verse of the song, There is a Redeemer. When I stand in glory, I will see his face, and there I'll serve my king forever in that holy place. This vision of worship is what I see, this glimpse I feel we get when we read those verses from Revelation chapter 4. This vision John has of a heavenly worship before the throne of God is amazing, incomprehensible at times. You know, we don't really know what the life to come will be like. As Paul writes in his famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know, I shall know fully. We see but glimpses of the glory that awaits. This time when we will join in worship like the 24 elders from the passage as they throw themselves down before the heavenly throne. But right now, we have the awesome privilege of worshipping God in our daily lives, joining with the angels and the whole company of heaven in praise and responding to God's call to follow him. And so we should make it our best. Not just asking, how and where will I meet with God? But asking, how and where might I not expect to meet with God? At Christ Church over the years, we've organized prayer rooms and press corners, prayer and praise evenings, courses to explore the Bible in greater detail, and ones to challenge us to social justice and action. The acceleration of technology in the last 40 years means that Christchurch is so much different from the church I knew as a child. And I hope that in 40 years from now, it will seem just as unrecognizable 
As with each year that passes, we see new ways and opportunities, exciting ways and opportunities, to encounter God in our worship and respond to his call. True worshippers look outward, not inward. Seeing the world around them that they live in, noticing what's around them, what's happening, seeing poverty, injustice, and get busy worshipping God by doing something about it. So let's start thinking then about how we can be getting the most out of our worship. Let's have conversations now about what we could be new and improved in our worship of God here at Christchurch, or what we find most beneficial in what we already do. Despite what many people say, the church is very much alive. Let's not lose sight of what it means to be church and how we encounter and worship God daily now and in the years to come.